Welcome back to the B-Hall Army Wrestling Radio Show. I'm your host, Jordan Tom, filed with Brian Rowan. And today we got a guest with a long list of accolades, numerous recipient awards of, of West Point Athletic Awards to include the Maggie Dixon Inspiration Award, Arvin Memorial Award, Most Improved Wrestler Award, the 11th Man Award, Leadership Realm Award. He was a team captain. Now he's got a astute career in the CrossFit with Top 50 performance in the worldwide in 2019 and 2020, which makes him a two-time games athlete. And he's currently the team captain of the Army Warrior Fitness Team. None other than Chandler Smith. Chandler, how's it going? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm great. I feel like uh, Jordan hit like all these things that I did, but he forgot the most important part, which was that uh, I was a career like spot starter. Um, and that was very important amidst all that fake stuff. This is an army wrestling podcast, so I feel like you should have led with that. Like one of the most, uh, one of the best weight cutters, poorest performers. Oh, I definitely got a story you know, about like, that. Oh no, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for having me. Actually, Chandler, I don't think you ever. I've ever told this story, but the first time I uh, I met you was at like the Grapple the Garden. I was with uh, me. I met Rafferty down there, and uh, you had started a couple of the matches, and I just remember asking Rafferty like, "Hey, who's?" who's that Chandler guy at 165? Like, I've never heard of him. But, like, you, like, beat up somebody, like, pretty good and then got beat up by, like, somebody who was not very good. <laughs> yeah. And I was That's like, what is going on here? Like, who is this guy? And he was like, that's Chandler, man. <laughs> So that, that's probably the hallmark of my wrestling. My style, if you will, was uh, just inconsistency. So, like, you know, yeah. wrestle really well one time and then poor. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I did. That's, what, that's me. <laughs> that's all right. So uh, one of the goals for the podcast today, Chan, um, obviously going to have some crossover listeners from the CrossFit community. Um, definitely want to give them some of your embarrassing army wrestling stories that they know. <laughs> um, but for some of the army wrestling older guys, they don't really – know what CrossFit is and they certainly don't know what kind of success you've had so I want to bridge the two of those like parts of your life together so that everybody can kind of hear like hey what are the stories that make Chandler Smith Chandler Smith if we strip away all the other stuff like who is Chandler right so try to get some of the stuff that maybe we don't hear in some of your other interviews you're all over social media but I know your dad is a strength and conditioning coach in the NFL was that when you were younger was he doing that uh, so when I was younger, he was playing. He played from, like, 1990 to 98. He bopped around for a bunch of teams because he was a talentless hack. And after he was done with his NFL career, um, he got into the strength coaching biz um, with the Denver Broncos. And then he's done that for the last 20 years. Been mixed up being a head and assistant strength coach and um, was NFL strength coach of the year back in 2013. So it sowed the seeds for me being an athletic disappointment no matter what I did. And given that I knew that I wasn't ever going to come close in football, I decided to settle with uh, bringing my, my mediocrity to, to wrestling. I took my talents to South Beach, the mats, and uh, the rest is history. Not the type of history that you see in books, but like history you see if you look at the round of 32 in the EIWA bracket and then the losers bracket for most of the <laughs> Sunoco Open and smaller tournaments in the Northeast from 2011, 2015. <laughs> yeah, but like my dad, by no means was like a athletic uh, prowess or a, a machine. And clearly, your dad had some capabilities. So, at a young age, was, did you have a goal in mind? Like, did he start training you young, or 
he's just like you be a normal kid in high school. You're like, I want to wrestle, and you start dedicating time to it. I don't, I don't know if he let me be a normal kid. I think it was uh, my physiological limitations determined that I was going to be a regular kid more than I was going to be an NBA or NFL player. That was obviously the goal. Like I wanted to play, and then I moved the goalpost. You know, successfully. I was like, ah, oh, all right, probably not going to be NFL, but at least want to play college. And I was like, ah, oh, probably not big enough to play college, but at least want to like get some playing time for high school. And it's probably like after that, I was like, oh, I just want to be a good teammate or be one of the loudest yellers on the from the bench so that was <laughs> how big were you right? the book. because i feel like you know now you're well you're like 185 190 pounds probably ish yeah 195 um in high school i graduate I, I got to west point i was like 5'5 154 so not exactly like division one material i had a rudy heart though so you can't measure that but like not this stuff you could measure was less than awesome I mean, now you're you're sized enough to be in the NFL. Like maybe you know, don't don't sell yourself short now. There's still there's still time. Yeah, on uh on tender again. I'm six foot one ninety five, so that's what's. I'm just kidding. Yeah, five eight one ninety five is the NFL size either. Especially when you move as slowly and deliberately as I tend to do. Not a really fast guy, but it's worked out. I think. If you wear your lifters out, it'll give you like an extra like inch and a half or two inches. So I, I honestly on the weekends. That's a, that's a really good strategy. I haven't tried that yet, but they're uh, they're very stylish, so that might be the move. You might see me out in the club, getting down the Romaleos. I love that. All right, so you figure out like, hey, I'm, I'm not gonna be a football star and size isn't it, or, or you know, maybe you just kind of like lost that goal, that vision, and you set your sights on wrestling. And I know, you know, everybody goes to West Point for different reasons. Some people like grow up and don't even know what West Point was, like me, right? Like I didn't know what it was until my brother got recruited. But I know that that was like a goal of yours in high school. Like you wanted to go to West Point. What was it that was driving that passion and that desire to go to West Point? So actually, like it came from wrestling. Um, I started wrestling my freshman year of high school because I was terrible and got cut from the basketball team. And we had uh, an assistant wrestling coach for the team. It was Nage Damis. He's used from a class of 73. And he would talk about uh, West Point and how it had impacted him. And also the team captain at my high school was uh, Doug McFarlane, uh, who is West Point class of 2012. And he was getting ready to head there. And um, both of those guys being would, would always talk about school and seeing Doug train up and get ready to go, go to West Point. Like that kind of was what pushed it over the edge. But I'd, I knew I wanted to be in the military for a long time before that. And um, I don't think I really knew how, like, how to get there. But since that was the first – real interaction I had on how to get to, like get to that end goal of being in the military in some capacity. Uh, that's kind of what pushed me through. And then um, during high school, I was pretty, you know, achievement driven, I guess, and West Point was doing well in the rankings and everything. And uh, so I decided to walk on and happened to do well enough at wrestling in high school uh, to be good enough to make it um, onto the team. So everything just kind of came together really nicely that I had like the opportunity to wrestle that, I knew some people who had were associated with wrestling at West Point and or West Point in general, and uh, just kind of shook out nicely. Yeah. So talk us through that walk-on process. Like, what was what was maybe like your one of your first interactions with either like another guy on the team or like the coach and like how that came about? Was it during Beast? That's, <laughs> so so Beast is whatever. Like you know, I mean, you're you're hanging out. Everybody else is tired and feeling terrible, and as long as you're halfway okay, like you're gonna make it through. Beast, as long as you keep showing up. Uh, this this hat's a it's a Legion hat. I know for those who know, it's associated with with Raph. Um, 
And that's really my first memory. And I don't really remember much else from plebe year, but I do remember getting physically assaulted every day with what he called hand fighting, but what was really boxing um, every day <laughs> for the whole fall semester. And I'd go back to my room and I'd listen to If I Die Young by the band Perry before I, I couldn't do my homework because my body hurt too bad. And I was like, I'm actually going to die probably tomorrow. Um, multiple breakdowns, like walking up the stairs in the wash hall and my legs would hurt too much and I have to stop because I couldn't, felt like I couldn't get up the stairs anymore. Um, but that, yeah, it was kind of those moments that were, that, that sums, sums up the walk-on process. I was in way over my head. I, I could hang on conditioning, but like as far as wrestling skills and hand fighting especially, man, like that's, I think that is probably the biggest difference between high school and college wrestling. A lot of people say the mat wrestling is, but for me it was like just people move, never stopping the hand fighting um, and how much that hurt. That's what I remember the walk-on process. And basically I didn't quit and Heskill was like, you can stick around. So. I think I had something to do with probably how hard you're working. I can't, uh, I can't remember. Was that Heskill's first year, your, your plea beer? Second year. Second year? Oh. Yep. Well, I'm sure it had something to do with how hard you were probably working. Um, but in your CrossFit career, at least, you're pretty forthright about what you want to accomplish, your goals. You're really like a driven person from, you know, everybody's perspective. Maybe like looking back at your wrestling career, I mean, I know you're joking about how it was marginal at best, but you still were a Division One wrestler, which is, you know, 99% of people can say. So what were your goals considering you were a walk-on and you end your career as a team captain or recipient of pretty much every award you can win, you won. But, like, what were your goals during the time? Uh, my goals were to start and to be a team captain. Um, I, I honestly – I know everybody ends up saying, like, you know, you want to be an All-American and stuff, but uh, my talent capsule, if you will, I knew was probably not going to max out. That reference right there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think <laughs> What reference is that from? Talent capsule. Uh, Raph had probably mentioned it before. It's um, it was saying Coach Heskett would use to talk about people who had no athletic ability and why they weren't doing any better because they their talent capsule was full. Um, it was, was like a right? Loki disc. Yeah, it was like <laughs> yeah. a Loki disc, so like his way of motivating <laughs> people. That's like that's messed up. He'd be like, yeah. this, this young guy over here, he may have a large time uh, talent capsule, but it's not full. Okay. And this young man over here, he has a tiny talent capsule, but it's full because he tries hard. <laughs> there was nothing more definitive of uh, of a meeting at that time than like the the double edged sword compliment of like you did this well, but you also did not do this well, which is good because it was a good way to take down the dose of realism. But um, yeah, like I I I so remember going sitting out with Coach Young. He was like, you know, we gotta say that you're gonna. Or, like you, your goal should be to be all American. I was like, okay, I, if you say that's my goal, then that's my goal. But um, from just a personal perspective, I was like, I want to start as much as I can. Um, I'm sorry. I want to start as much as I can. And also, you know, at the end of the day, be a team captain because I looked up to Raph so much. It was, a, it's a very weird thing. I don't know why I'm friends with him. He, again, he, he borderline. If it had happened outside of a wrestling room, like he could have gone to jail for how badly he used to beat me up. But for some for some reason, I appreciate him for it, and we're friends now. It's a weird setup, but yeah. I understand. So as we transition from talking like wrestling career specific, I definitely want to still talk some lessons that you learned from wrestling and how it translates to CrossFit. 
But I'm going to give a story here because I specifically remember New York State, I think it was. And we're at the hotel. And I, you know, finished my weight cut and I'm like chilling out. And it's funny, I always remember the story because obviously anytime CrossFit comes up, I use that as an opportunity to be like, yeah, I know Chandler. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know him. <laughs> so uh, the next thing that comes out of people's mouth is something typically like, you know, he's super jacked or, you know, he's, you know, that dude's a freak. And I'm like, well, he also is probably one of the hardest. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, don't shortchange the man. Like, he's also one of the hardest working people I know, if not the hardest working person. And I can think back to this story, like, we're at New York State's finish my weight cut and Taylor comes to me and he's like hey like I'm broke man like I don't know if I can make it tomorrow like I'm done and I'm like all right let's like kiss back like let's let's figure out a plan like how much do you got to go I don't remember what it was it was like you know, a couple pounds ago you're like I've already worked up like three hours and I remember telling him like hey man if you like don't do a MRF as like a way to cut weight and you just like do as little work as possible but continue to sweat and you'll make it. And that was like a super hard concept for a man that like just wanted to work out and put this hard output to try to actually get better at like fitness. Like but I would come in on the weekend and you'd literally be in there just doing like a friend in the wrestling room on your own. I'm like, what, what is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> you, you do the best you can with what you know. And that, that's pretty funny to hear that, that in specific of like, cause I, I remember that moment. I remember several others. It's never a concept I think I really grasped throughout like the duration of my wrestling career. Um, like how to try to do two things at once with like goals that weren't necessarily working concurrently. Like my goals for wrestling should have been getting down to the weight I needed to be at, um, probably working on the stuff, like my weaknesses. I remember Coach Young once told me like, you're not going to lose a match because you're not strong enough. And I heard that. But I also, it went right through this year and then kept going out the other year and I kept doing that. So like, yeah. I never really um, optimized myself for wrestling, but I think that also kind of laid the seeds for being good at the stuff that I was maybe working towards a little bit too much in my time as a wrestler. Like they, they definitely did help each other, but like not as, as well as they should have. And it led to a lot of pain in the weight cutting department over <laughs> the last three years. But yeah, that New York State story, is one of the, that was the first time I think... Uh, I got the chance to wrestle varsity um, and it only got worse from there. <laughs> what year was that? Was that like your young Cal first year? What year was Plebe, that? Plebe year, 2012. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, so talking CrossFit now, um, but still with the context of wrestling. So, you know, you talk yourself down sometimes, but you're, pretty darn good at CrossFit, okay? Like, you're top 50 in the world last two years. You're a games athlete, which not very many people can say. Um, one of the things that you always say prepared you for your professional career in CrossFit or whatever it is, that Army Wrestling taught you how to suffer. Like, when you say that, what does that mean? Like, is there something particular, like getting beat up by James Rafferty or, like, cutting weight in New York State? Is it everything? Was it the lifestyle in general? Like, what does it mean? I think I think it's it's everything. It's it's lifestyle in general. Remember my, uh, was, I think it was while you were still there. So Yucker Cow year, uh, Phil Simpson came and talked to us, and he was talking about like how you know it, it's not an optimal situation at West Point, but if you can succeed in wrestling there with all the other stuff that you have to do, you can succeed anywhere. And you know, there's the the Dan Gable quote everybody likes to quote about like uh, you know once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy. Like even from a physical standpoint, making it through a 
army wrestling preseason where you were pushed so much further than your your limits and or even make it through like a shark tank practice where you you literally were insured it was ensured that you got broken like I, there's no outside situation that could put me at that level of discomfort so every I, I base i feel like i've seen it all like i'm gonna there's been workouts i've passed out i've thrown up all this stuff in the wrestling room and i've so what what else is going to happen in a crossfit gym like i have no fear of stuff that i'm going to do to my body physically because some someone else has tried to do worse to me before and i'm i'm still here so i think that's what it means like when i when I say i learned how to suffer from army wrestling just like taking a a super high physical toll and coming back i tell people often too like I worked out more like in college wrestling, like for a longer duration and harder because when you're, you know, doing live goes, you're like competing to survive and there's no like, let's do this live go at 60%. Take it easy. Like someone's coming for your neck every single time and you're wrestling live pretty much every day for four years, but you'd wake up, cut weight. We'd do J hour lifts. We'd hit the like hit practice for two, three hours in the evening. And then you cut weight again. So I was working out like five, six hours and folks are always like, you crossfitters are crazy. I'm like, this is, it gets way crazier than this. Like, I promise yeah. you, it's it. not that bad. So yeah, I'm, it's just not, nothing I haven't seen before, I don't think. If you could look back, like, <clears throat> like I'm obviously like a beginner in the CrossFit world, um, obviously. Um, but when I look back, <laughs> like, like the lack of recovery that we did, like in high school and college, um, is that something you go back or you think about? Like, I think about all those things. I'm like, man, I didn't pay attention to my recovery at all. Like now, I mean, I'm almost 35 years old. So recovery is like 90% of my job. Um, <laughs> but uh, do you think about that aspect of it all? Or, you know, you know, as you're, as you're training and you obviously spend a lot of time, you know, in recovery now, I'm sure. Yeah. First off, you're, you're not just an amateur. You look very good. You flipped up your shirt earlier. I don't know if you had it, but you definitely have a six pack. I don't think you look a day over 34. And I know JT always says you're old and washed up, but I think he's crazy for saying that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. Like once you've made it through the, those like hard physical exertions with basically no recovery, cause you're still staying up till midnight to do your schoolwork and whatever, waking up five thirty six, like you, everything else gets so much easier. So last night wasn't my most optimal night for recovery, but you, you know that your body can, you can still improve through it it helps a lot to have uh better recovery i think that's the best part of like what's happened the last last year recently for me but even since i've been back uh since i left school like i've more consistently gone to gone to sleep since i graduated west point than i did at school and so that's helped your physical performance i think you get to you get to see it a lot better when you're still trying to perform at a high level like i think most of us who finish at school don't um continue to, to have an avenue to compete and perform at the same high level so they're you, you can't really see the performance boost that you get by being able to sleep and eat the way you want to. Cause you're not missing every dinner because you're cutting weight or all that jazz. So um, yeah, I've definitely noticed the effects of recovery and having been in a situation for the longest time where we didn't get to maximize that has made me acutely aware of like how important it is. And I try and take it pretty seriously. Do you think that that kind of, some of those things, sleep and nutrition was one of the things that made you kind of take some of those dramatic jumps? Like, Obviously, you were competing in the open and everything, like, right out of college. But, like, you clearly put on, like, size and then yeah. a performance jump. Do you think that a lot of that was that? Or do you think maybe you just matured physically? What was that? Um, It's some physical maturation, but it's also just, like, it was my, I trained for a year of just CrossFit. I think you you trained for a year for anything. Like, the, the jump Casey made when he was training for the marathon, right? Like, 
he was running yeah. X mile, X minute, five mile to start. And then by the end of it, he was running a marathon at a certain speed. I grad, um, left, wrestled my last match February 22nd, 2015. The only reason I know is because we'd be in Navy that day. Um, and that was the end of my career. I lost because I'm terrible. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I was injured at the time. And Coach Ward was like, all right, well, you, you did your best. Um, you're off the pasture now. Go to the glue factory. And so I started doing my CrossFit and everything. And then a year later, I made it to regionals. So that's like from then to then is a year of me being at Fort Benning and able to look. Um, so in a pretty an environment, pretty conducive to working out. Also being at West Point as a GA, which is another environment pretty conducive to working out. Only yeah. training to make the uh, to make it to regional. So um, it was. Yeah, I think that's pretty. That's pretty much where you can just count the jump to. I was sleeping for the first time, orienting okay. my, my yeah. life around getting good at fitness, which I'd never done before, and yeah, showed some results pretty quickly, which is also addicting. Like it's after one year, it's like if I got this far in one year, how far can I make it in four? How far can I make it in five? So on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Like you see a little bit of success, and it drives you to keep going further and further and further. So on that same note, it's like, yeah, you're talking about sleep and talking about these other things. But those first couple of years, you're also serving active duty as a lieutenant. So you had, you know, a whole platoon of people, somewhere around 40 people that were looking to you to make decisions and lead them and all that stuff. And then you went on deployment, too. Um, and as an armor guy, like, to put it in context for the people, like, in the CrossFit community that don't know anything about the Army, like, you're going out to the field to gunnery, and which means you're literally living off your tank for, you know, three to four weeks at a time like yeah. how are you working out during this time i mean other than like body weight and calisthenics like how are you working out so i took um a really long-term approach to my training and it's led me to have some weaknesses i still have now but my the the baseline theory was that like there's always something i can be doing to improve so it might not be the the very best thing i can do to improve but there's always something that i can be doing so for the times we were on the field, like I know that if I was using the, if I wasn't using the turret to scan, I could turn the turret halfway and use the CITV to scan, and I could do pull-ups off the side of the bustle rack. I knew I could always bring a kettlebell. So if I was like getting ready to head out to the bathroom, I could always knock out a, a set of like rows or shoulder presses or something. Um, and then broadly speaking, like for my time as a PL, and something I had to learn to get under control. I don't think, if I'm being very very honest, I don't think I did a great job of being as relatable as I should have been for my first platoon when I was a tank platoon leader. I had a, um, good leadership for both of my like both of my platoons from my company commanders, Captain Plant and Captain McFadden. They were very patient with me, but as a tanker, um, I probably like went too hard for PT, right? Like I was so intent on making PT a useful part of my day that I was like, regardless of whether or not you guys are in shape, I'm in shape. So you're either going to keep up or you're going to get burned. And I had to like kind of learn to, adopt that a little bit which I, I did over time but I made sure that I, like PT was actually a useful hour of physical training for my day and then when I was as soon as I was done with work I'd go and train I didn't do anything else and then every single time we were in the field I'd either like blow myself up with volume completely before we got to the field so it was like a recovery deload week that I needed because I was in such terrible physical condition at that point or I'd make sure that I would brought enough stuff to where I could be doing something um, and like that doing something and like even that attitude of just knowing that in any situation, there's something I, I there's a way for me to turn it into a win. That's kind of like 
influenced how I've done everything since then. Like you, you always get bumps and bruises and injuries and everything, but um, there's never been a time, especially after that, uh, that one injury that I'm sure we'll talk about um, where I was like, okay, I, I can't work around this in some fashion. Like I'm going to get better no matter what. Yeah. And I think I was just really stubborn and obstinate about that. And uh, it allowed me to feel like I got better even when we were in the field, um, even when I was probably not getting better, you know? Sure. So for like, so for the disgruntled person in the army, it's looking at and you're like, well, you must've got some kind of special treatment because there's no way you can look like that and, and, you know, be in the army. Tell me about a full day's schedule of going through PT to where I know by following you, like you were going to the gym literally after work at eight o'clock at night. Like walk me through that whole day of how you were doing that. So standard day in the life of PL Chandler, um, wake up 517. That was like my standard wake up time. I was at Fort Riley, Kansas for most of my PL time. We went to Bulgaria as part of Operation Atlantic Resolve and then was in Benning for Triple C, blah, blah, bounce around. But Fort Riley times where I spent most of my time. Uh, wake up 517. You know, you're at the office by 545. Get a little stretch in while you're doing the commander sync and all that jazz at 6. PT starts at 630. You PT with your with the guys from 6:30 to 7:30. Um, immediately after, depending on what we did for that day, I'd go and try and supplement it with something of like a similar nature. So if you ran, um, then maybe I'm doing like a Metcon because my body loosened up, like my heart rate's elevated. If we did a muscular endurance workout, maybe I'll go and do like a low intensity row or something like that. Um, but ba basically, do something immediately afterwards that is CrossFit specific. Um, after that, you know, you're basically starting to work 8.15, 8.30, whatever you're done, showered, going to lunch. For my infantry platoon time, I was able to get away every now and then during lunch. But as you all know, lunch is a, a very nebulous concept in a lot of places. So normally you're just sure. working right through lunch. And um, so, yeah, I really wouldn't get to do much during lunch. But as soon as work was over, I'd have all my clothes and I would go straight to the gym. Um, it's... 6.30 when I get to the gym most days, I train. I had a rule where I never train past nine. Because anything after nine, I kind of lose out on uh, recovery for the next day. So it's 18.30 to 2100, I'm training. I get back home, 21.20, I microwave a pizza or something for dinner, like something. My, my nutrition was very much not on point for the nation as a big red one soldier because yeah. time constraints. And um there was some meal prep services and everything, which kind of helped too. And then, um, yeah, go to bed, 10.30, wake up, do it again. But it was the um, – I think it was the simplicity of the schedule. Like, there wasn't – and I'm I'm in a unique situation. I didn't have a wife, didn't have kids, very rarely had a girlfriend. Like, it, there was never really any change to that schedule. It wasn't like, all right, on Thursdays I have to go drop little Chandler Jr. off for this yep. or – I have to watch a movie with my girlfriend this time. Like it was that schedule every day that I was not in the field for the whole time. And so, yeah, I think it is a common misconception. Even last year, I made it to the games from Triple C, um, not like as part of the Army Warrior Fitness team. And I wish more people knew that because I think folks immediately write off the possibility that they can perform at a super high level while being active um, or while serving as a platoon leader. Um, there's, there's a lot more possibility for it happening than I think folks are aware of but it does basically require the forfeiture of everything else because there's not enough time in the day to do it all at a high level. And also I didn't do it all at a high level too. Those aforementioned bosses will tell you that was just a okay if that PL, but I tried hard. That's crazy. <laughs> you literally had no life. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty, but it was a continuation of what it did at, at West Point. So that's another way that Army West Point wrestling prepared me because you can't really have a life um, when you're cutting weight for four hours and wrestling for another exactly. three and got homework. So I'm well trained in the art of having no life. Chandler, I see a so, lot of similarities between you and and uh, John Anderson, one of the previous guests on the show. Have you talked to John much? You know, I mean, the way I would love to see you guys do a uh, like a low level CrossFit workout, something where it's like doesn't take a lot of technique and just to see whose motor uh, can go because I know John can go hard. Uh, I know you can go super hard. Uh, it'd be, it'd be really, really, really interesting to see that, that kind of workout. But you, have you talked to John much? Um, yeah, I have. He's, John's, John's amazing. Um, I, I've talked to him as a cadet. Remember we saw him in Vegas one year um, getting ready to probably win the U S open again, as he was, was and is want to do because he's a marvel of, just humanity in general. Um, and then after I graduated, uh, I talked to him a little bit about, you know, like how his story, cause I was looking to him for encouragement. And uh, that, that also helped knowing that he spent five years just doing the PL thing, kept his fitness up at a world-class level, and then was able to transition into being a world-class competitor. That was encouraging. And then in 2017, um, shortly before I went to Europe, I like tried out for the all army team and he got me up to up to the springs, uh, I got to do the camp with um, some of the guys out there. I, my unit did not release me to go to the trials and everything, but got the chance to throw down with him, see how ridiculously insane his cardio was and how tough a wrestler he was. And but basically, he's been a he's been a source of like inspiration and uh, and like motivation the whole time that I've been aware that I wanted to be an athlete while also being a soldier. And uh, I like that I like that concept of actually talked with Flo semi-recently about doing something like that so stay tuned I don't know if it'll be with John but the idea of like doing a wrestling crossover crossover and kind of trying to get some new new viewership from folks who are not within the the crossover community or not all within the wrestling community and intermixing because I think there's a lot of similarities and you could probably draw some respect for the hard work that each side does so hopefully that idea materializes sooner rather than later yeah, well, I was I was thinking about that actually at Wadapalooza this year when I was going spectating. I was looking at Flow Elite, and I was like, man, there is not a lot of viewership on here, and their wrestling platform gets so much. I mean, it's so and it's so easy to translate between the two. And I think they spend a lot of time doing between flow, combining between Flow Grappling and Flow Wrestling. Yeah, um, combining the two. I mean, I think Flow Elite and and Flow Wrestling can really kind of grow together too. I hope so. I think we have maybe our personalities on the CrossFit side. I'm not one of them, but like there's some folks, you know, with like millions of followers and things like that. So like the, their individual reach is higher, but then the reach of the brand, the flow wrestling and the flow grappling is a little bit higher as well. It's different demographics. So I think, uh, again, like some cross pollination there would be beneficial for both groups. So hopefully this all ends up working out. (laughs) I'd love to see it. I'd love to see you throw down with John or anybody, but, Speaking of John, so I remember one thing he said in his was basically how he was managing his Olympic dream with being in active duty, whatever his duty title was at the time. And one of the things he said was, it can be easy to look at it and someone can say like, oh, well, you're kind of being like selfish or you're thinking about yourself and your own goals. But his perspective was success breeds success. And actually me striving for my goals and me working towards them is actually helping those that I'm leading to become better people as well, because they're seeing someone go after something. And that's not something that like people typically have, um, I guess, displayed for them. Was that kind of the same case for you? Like 
I can't really imagine like if I went back in my own career and being leader and doing the schedule you're talking about and trying to achieve this high goal. I, I can't imagine doing that. And then like, I don't know, it's just a weird concept. I, uh, I don't know if I came at it from the exact same point um, or the exact same perspective as John, but it's similar. One, I knew that like I was, I was going to be the best version of myself if I was chasing this. Cause if I had let this dream die in 2016, when I got to my platoon, like, I, there would have been a part of me that was always going to feel like incomplete that I didn't go for that. And then I, I don't know how that would have influenced the, the environment uh, that I was responsible for helping create. But like, I knew that I needed to, to go for this in order for me to be the best version of myself for everybody. So that's one. But also I feel like the, the impact question um, was not like, it's not, it's not necessarily limited to how um, it was inspiring the platoon, but I knew that if I did this right, I could inspire a uh, whole maybe there's a, a group of wrestlers who are coming up who like are going to move into CrossFit. There might be a group of kids who look like me who are going to move into CrossFit. There might be some other soldiers who are going to move into CrossFit. Like there was a an opportunity to inspire so many people. Um, if I got to where I wanted to get to, that like that was the the focus. So um, even if it wasn't something that was necessarily going to make me the happiest at the time, or like honestly even allow me like to be be the very very best. PL that I could have been. Um, I thought the long-term effects of it were going to be like the best for society and for like my ability to bring impact to everyone around me. So that, that was kind of my focus. Like it's, it's bigger than the right now because I'm trying to peak and that's, I've always had this long-term approach since 2012 when I first watched the game. So I want to make the games in 2022. Like I gave myself 10 years for it. And I, I think sometimes I'm able to kind of frame things in turn and like, terms of long-term planning and uh that's how i always stayed focused on it absolutely yeah so we talked about how you were active duty you qualified for the games when you're at the career course which a lot of people probably don't know but then you go into the army warrior fitness team as a new you know objective for the army talk about maybe what their mission is real quick plug it and then what does now your daily life look like with them okay yeah so this is uh we, we work within USAREC, which for those who don't know, is like United States Army Recruiting Command. And uh, recently the Army has seen a need to try and do some more active targeted recruiting on military age males and females that are fit enough to make it through the MEPS process and fit enough to uh, like not get injured during basic training and all these things. So we are like a, a targeted effort because the base, the average CrossFitter um, is CrossFitter, functional fitness athlete. We're not just limited to CrossFit is fit enough to, to do those things that I mentioned. So uh, we go out, we perform, we share our army stories. I kind of tell them, you know, I'm a tanker. We got some aviators, all these folks coming from all different walks of life. And uh, we talk to them about the army. We also do some direct recruiting. So, you know, like if you send a message to me and I end up responding, I'll put you towards, towards the recruiter and everything. But basically, yeah, just sharing army stories and uh, getting more folks to join for uh, – tapping into audiences that we maybe didn't have an in with before this, like the arm or the Marines and the air force have kind of, if you go to Wadapalooza or some of these other events, you'll always see a heavy presence of those branches there. And this is kind of our attempt at getting into these areas and getting some of these fit young folks to decide to be soldiers rather than crayon eaters or uh, chair warriors. That's right. So do you wave your, do you wave your half finger at them when you're doing the recruiting speech or what? I always make sure I do. I say, if you kids like hate your digits, uh, if you want to live a life of, of guts and danger, 
be a, be a fat, fat boy tanker, you know, and then you can lose a finger and kids are like, wow, like, where do I sign up? How quickly can I get in? <laughs> when do I ship? So who wrote, who writes the programming now? Do you write the programming for the Army Warrior Fitness team? Do you guys follow some other gym? How's that work? I'm going to be honest. I, I did a lot more of it before this March. Uh, once things have kind of fallen apart, we've basically just gone. I've, I've always been like tangentially associated with Misfit Athletics. And we more or less follow that. My personal approaches to CrossFit reflect some of the lessons I learned as a platoon leader. Um, and then also like growing up. So my dad being a strength and conditioning coach in the NFL, I do the strength pretty much always. And um, the Army teaching me that the importance of conditioning early on and that it doesn't necessarily directly uh, limit your strength means that we always like start with some sort of morning monostructural conditioning effort. I program those pretty, pretty continuously, but uh, the Metcon pieces and the accessory work, um, I take it back. I do the accessory work too, but the Metcons, which is pretty much like the magic of uh, the methodology of CrossFit's coming from Misfit. I largely do that because it gives me scores from other Misfit athletes who are like games level to compare with and kind of keep tabs on the Army Warrior Fitness Team athletes to see where they're at. Um, so it's a, it's kind of a collaborative uh, approach, but I have taken way less of an active role in it because the, 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 the touches I was putting into it were to try and prepare us for Army Warrior Fitness Team specific events. We were getting ready to go to the Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Championship in MAC um, in April. That got canceled. Then all of a sudden yep. it was getting ready for me, ready for Rogue, which is going to be different than the other athletes who weren't going to Rogue. And uh, it's just kind of been so in flux that I haven't I, – I changed it within the first couple of weeks of things kind of getting crazy. I rewrote the whole program till the end of June um, and mid-March, and then it changed, and I did it again, and uh, it changed again. I was like, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, you guys can pick, pick your pieces and everything. So it's become a lot more decentralized in the last few, few months, um, and I'll probably return to that as I work towards getting out because, fun fact, I'm getting out. So. Oh, wow. Bombs dropped. February, well, I got my brigade commander meeting on Friday, so we'll see if they agree to let me go. But February 21st uh, is when terminal leave is fixing to start, and then May 1st, final out. Cool, man. Well, crazy. That, that was literally the exact dates of my transition in 2018. Great minds. Take a look. <laughs> February 21st, May 1st. Kind of crazy. Heck yeah. Okay, so I, what's the what's the plan after that if it's approved then, Chen? Um, so the games twenty twenty two thing has kind of evolved over the last few years, uh, especially as I've become like a full time professional athlete, which you asked me and I didn't really get to, so I can answer that in this part too. Um, <laughs> I want I want to win the games, so that's as long as there's something. I just got back from a summit in Colorado with the new CEO and some of the big movers and shakers went on a run with Rich Roning and he caught me, which was really embarrassing. So I saw it's faster than, but that's okay. Um, and the CEO beat me too, and I did not do a good job of representing the Army at running. But, like, I've been hanging around. i got enough faith and belief in the sport that it's going to stick around, and that's been my goal for the longest time. So I'm going to put all my energy towards pursuing that for a little bit, be a full-time burpee artist um, and whatever, thruster enthusiast. And after that's complete, I'll probably end up going back to school or working my dream job. If I have done well enough for myself, working my dream job, being, like, a high school wrestling coach and, hanging out in one place for the next 20 years, getting a wife, making some kids and, you know, doing that whole thing. To also answer the earlier question uh, about the, the schedule for the Army Warrior Fitness Team, quarantine has kind of put things in flux, but on a normal daily schedule when we're all training at Fort Knox, Fort Knox, 
Um, we'll be <laughs> there at 08, 08.30. We'll, we'll normally be there at 08. You do like your mobility and everything at 8.30. We train from 8.30 to 9.30. Have a pretty set like hour of recovery work um, directly after that 8.30 to 9.30 um, conditioning and skill session. So an example would be like run five miles and then also – after you're done with that, you got 15 minutes to work on like handstand walk obstacle, going up the stairs, going back down. That's like your, your morning session. You recover afterwards, do all that stuff. Um, I'll check everybody's results on the beyond the whiteboard. I'll do all the, and this is, this sounds goofy. Raph gave me crap for this uh, last time. I had like a YouTube video, but, and man, there's no way to not sound pretentious about this. So I'll just acknowledge it. Like correspondence has become almost a full-time job when, I wake up, I have, you have a hundred or something text on day. If you spend a day, like not on top of it. Um, and then also doing like interviews and things like that. But like, there's a pretty set part of doing the hashtag influencer thing uh, in the middle of the day. In addition to like yeah. my coaching duties, which is like reviewing the training, um, kind of seeing what everybody else has done. It's a very passive and like not like and soft skill set, um, But it, it helps with everything else going on. So like if I know what all the other athletes are doing and I'm also cultivating those relationships, like I'm always able to get on teams for good competitions. I'm always able to know people's scores for the open. Um, I'm always able to tell my guys if they're doing well or if they're doing poorly. And like, that doesn't, that doesn't brief well, which I've learned when someone's like, what are, what are you doing in the middle of the day? Oh, like I'm talking to this person. Why, why aren't you, you could probably serve as the battalion AS3 in your spare time. Like, no, like this is a very important part of what I do. Anyways, uh, that happens in the middle of the day. Lunch at 1300 to 1230. We normally like start warming up. Second session starts at 1300. That one's a little bit longer. It goes 13 to 16, stretch for an hour, 16 to 17. Day is complete. But like everyone has some additional duties and responsibilities. Um, to be honest, mine's a little bit different than some of the other members of the team just because I'm, uh, I compete at a little bit higher level. I take a little more volume and I'm training sure. a little bit longer. So mine's less serious. We have some folks who like are actually full-time company commanders while they're there. We have folks who are working like actual supply jobs while also doing uh, the fitness thing, but I get a little bit longer leash than most. And hopefully uncle Sam has been proud of the results have been able to put together in the last year as part of the USAWFT. Chandler, it sounds like you need an assistant. Uh, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, it's open for anyone. Who How do is I apply? <laughs> open for anyone who's willing to move to Louisville, Kentucky and hang out in my shabby apartment. I have a mattress in the living room on the floor from when my brother was here, stranded as a West Point refugee attending University <laughs> of West Point online for the last three months. So there's a spot open if you want to leave your family and hang out on the floor mattress with the twin. <laughs> I'd love nothing more than be your quarterman of the game. It'd <laughs> be great. I, I am allowed to take one person. So uh, if my roommate can't go and you guys have a, a whole week free and you're interested in going to the coronavirus capital of the world in California, sure. maybe Texas or depending on the day, yeah, come on, come on through. I'll throw your name in the ring. Oh, uh, <laughs> absolutely. I'll give you some nice talent capsule speeches before you go out there. <laughs> I'll be so ready to go and get my butt kicked at that Sol point. Solid reach back there, JT. Yeah. <laughs> so we're hinting at it, but yeah, so you're back in on the games. So <clears throat> to make, you know, you made a post about it whatnot, but so you were out of the games for a period of time and you're back in. Kind of just talk about that and maybe what led to each decision on, on either end. 
Yeah, okay, so the sale is final in four days, and I am semi loath to talk about the specific incidents with uh, former CrossFit CEO until it's complete because I don't want to disrupt the selling process, but him and I had, had a history um, before, and not a lot of people know that folks were assuming that I was responding to one tweet that he put out, which was not really that insensitive, uh, but it had opened the door for a lot of people to reveal that they had not appreciated his leadership before, and... I was on another Zoom call that day of blah, blah, everything comes together. It was strike number six. At that point, you're, you're double out. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to participate in the games this year. So I backed out. And uh, shortly thereafter, not due to my actions, due to the actions of other athletes, brands, sponsors, everybody came together basically delivering a referendum that current CrossFit leadership was not something they felt comfortable associating themselves with. Uh, he ended up agreeing to sell the company. And at that point, um, I was like, wow. I, I don't know why I would continue to be out. I've always loved CrossFit. I've always wanted to compete at the games. And the, the main reason that I did not want to compete is no longer part of the brand. So it was a pretty easy decision to come back at that point. So it was a, sure. that's a really quick summary of uh, what was a, a very complicated <laughs> month for the whole sport, for the brand. Um, and since then, there's some other things that have popped up. Like there's an athlete association now that I'm part of the committee for. And it's opened the door for us to maybe – uh, discuss some of the safety and health concerns we felt we couldn't really address in the environment that was previously had. So a lot, a lot of stuff has happened, but yeah, that's a, that's a short of it. Chandler, so uh, I, I noticed on social media, like you, like your post and was very similar with like Noah Olson's, you know, did you guys like combine efforts and there was, was there a lot of dialogue going on? I'm sure, you know, you guys are close. Um, yes. But yeah, he like, had his own. Other athletes too, or um, talk to yeah, that. Yeah, for those who don't know, Noah finished second at the 2019 game, so he's literally one of the fittest people um, alive, and we're, we're both pretty good friends. And he had his own set of incidents, and um, there was that we we talked pretty much every day. But as we were at that that weekend, as stuff was going on, uh, him and I chatted, and we're like, dude, like, um, why why are we going if we if we feel this strongly about it, and kind of it had been an idea that popped in both of our minds and other people had discussed to us independently. And we talked about it to each other and was like, Hey, let's, let's do it. Like there's no reason to stick around if we want to be forces for change um, in a positive light. And this is our, our chance to do it. So we both agreed to do it. We put up the same posts at the same time um, and then dealt with all the blowback coming back also at the same time, because it was not universally well-received um, which is like anytime you take a stance on anything, I guess it's something to be expected. So Sure. So talk yeah. me through like, so yeah, you're talking about like, you know, the circumstances obviously changed and whatnot, but I mean, it's pretty obvious, like there's not a strong presence for the African-American community in CrossFit. Do you take like a big responsibility being that I think you're the only, only African-American male that's qualified for the game this year. So what is, yes. what is your responsibility like that you feel for that? Yeah, I feel like um, I owe it to, all the groups um, that I'm a part of. So I mentioned, you know, like the sol soldier wrestler, African-American, all, like, there's not a lot of any of those being represented um, in, at the games. Then it doesn't make sense to me because I think there's a lot of soldiers who would, could benefit from functional fitness as like part of stuff that helps them, would, that helps make them better soldiers. Uh, I think there's a lot of athletes uh, who are both wrestlers and African-Americans who can branch out in the sport. So uh, for everything that the sport has given me, I've got to travel the world. I've got to meet 
a lot of really amazing people. I've got to become fitter than I ever thought I could be. Like all the stuff the sport has given me, it's stuff that I want to give back to those folks. And I'm being uniquely positioned to um, communicate those messages back to those constituencies means that like I have to take this role super seriously. So if it's, it's something that legit helps me get out of bed every day, knowing that like if I don't do this, um, then there is a soldier out there who's not going to get to you know, experience the transformative power of functional fitness in their life and how it can help them in, in whatever it is they're trying to do. Or there's a little kid like me who's not going to see representation and they're not going to pursue this. And that's going to, there's like a second and third order effect of me choosing not to take this seriously that affects the whole next generation of wrestlers and all those other groups. So um, I, I take it super seriously, but that's also that, that's the reason why I left. And that's also the reason why I'm excited to be back and excited like to be helping frame this thing going forward. Cause it can, from a, a semi selfish point, it can help me further that message and that story and ensure that I can keep communicating this to people for a longer time. Cause I really believe in it. Um, like just for what it's done to me physically, physically, mentally, spiritually, the whole, the whole gamut of uh, improvement I think can come from, pursuing fitness at a high level and i like being able to share that with folks so sure well i think that's a noble message i don't think that's selfish so <laughs> well I it's, not, it's, it's not like it i i i end up doing well from it too you know like it's not like i i benefit by having a lot larger audience too so i don't want to like come off and make it sound like i'm this sure mother Teresa character like i, I want to do well too but yeah absolutely your goal, Taylor, man. you spoke about um, your um, you just recently got back from Colorado. You know, was that shaped on some of the recent events? You know, um, you know who was all there? Kind of talk us through that. I felt like that was a uh, I saw pictures and stuff like that from from uh, the new CEO and Rich Froning and things like that. Um, what was that all about? Was it like a meeting? Or was it just workouts? Both? So for the longest time, uh, CrossFit was solely owned by one person, uh, Mr. Greg Glassman. He invented it. Um, like develop the methodology from scratch and everything. But I don't think any, uh, any other groups or any other people felt they had any representation uh, within sport. And so with the new ownership coming in, new CEO, Eric Rosa, he felt it was important to like, let people know that their voice is being heard. So we had some affiliate owners, uh, like Ben Bergeron was tuning in. Um, we have high level CrossFit HQ staff, Nicole Carroll, Dave Castro, Chuck Carswell were there. Um, we had athletes, myself and Steph Chung were there, both games athletes, but also we had Katrin, David's daughter, former champ, Brent Bukowski, Pat Bellner, uh, tuning in. Also Richard Froning, greatest CrossFit athlete of all time was there. Um, and just kind of cut like a wide swath of people who have interest, um, in like in advancing the brand, but also who hadn't really felt heard or listened to beforehand. Ben had dropped his head plate had dropped his gyms um, out of the CrossFit sphere after the, the Glassman controversy. I dropped out of the game. Froning had changed his competition from being a uh, CrossFit one to being independent one. Nicole Carroll designed her job from CrossFit HQ. Like, these are all people that had like left at one point because we didn't feel that we had any other way to make our opinions and like voice and felt. And then all we were all invited back and all like shown that, um, you know, our opinions are going to be valued and can help contribute to bringing this thing going forward. So it was a, not to sound super goofy, it was like a time of healing and restoration uh, and that like everybody was, was there sure. to help this thing that we're, we all are very passionate about. And I think uh, Eric did a good job of making it known that 
in this new era, uh, our opinions would be heard and uh, at least like help drive the decision-making process in some capacity versus no capacity. That's awesome. I'm sure it was also impactful just from a COVID sense of like, get, it's hard to get around and see people these days and like, just yeah. in the presence of a lot of athletes, I'm sure it probably felt just better from that avenue as well. In a, in a distant presence, but yeah, there was, they took all the precautions and doubly so because uh, the city of Boulder has a lot of precautions taken in general. Folks, uh, uh, you know, there's people from the sidelines are always going to sure. have something to say about it, but it was definitely safer than what it appeared. And I can't ever make everybody happy. So I just need to try and stop trying to do that. But yeah, it was uh, it was good to get out, um, but also good to good to know that they were taking care of it, and we're still trying to have the games amidst this whole situation as well. So, well, we're looking forward to it, man. I know it's uh, when when is it? What's the date again? September fourteenth through twentieth is the current time frame. So, if the state of it's California still exists, yeah, yeah, it is coming up quick. <laughs> um, I should probably. So what does Taylor Smith got to get better at in the next like month to come out on the top of the heat? Someone, some would tell you that I should learn how to, to execute a proper clean. Uh, Pete Athens failed me, and I never <laughs> learned how to properly clean. I still do this, like, kind of like I catch on my toes and hit, like, a Michael Jackson tippy-toe thing um, on my cleans. Pro- probably gymnastics heavy, and then I got to get back into, like, my, my calling card for the last few years has been, like, a really high level of endurance. And over quarantine, I decided that I was going to fix my weakness of not being – strong in like the traditional Olympic lifts, which I was successful in, but then also I forgot how to breathe. So I got to get back into shape. I've been doing a lot more uh, aerobic efforts and kind of just trying to prepare my body for the amount of damage that it will take over the games because the games is a really emotionally draining um, event, but also just like the the volume and the amount of endurance pieces that you do in un, unoptimal conditions is, uh, sure. is pretty high. It's going to be hot. It's going to be dusty, all this stuff. So, uh, basically just getting into shape and the folks on gymnastics is bringing my strength, strength stuff down a lot. I haven't really been doing pretty much any strength work. Like, like coach Young told me back in 2012, like I'm not going to lose a workout cause I'm not strong enough. In this case, I might not win it, but I'm not going to, no one's going to smoke me on like a, a back squat or a snatch or something. I can hang on that even no. if I don't do it for a long time, but I need to be able to breathe because the other 12 events are that are not the back squat and snatch are going to require me to be fit fitter. So, um, just been trying to bring up the volume of fitness stuff, like yeah. actually breathing hard versus just getting being strong and trying to look jacked. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out Paul Young. You got a career in CrossFit coaching if you if you haven't moved into that yet. Absolutely. World class. <laughs> hey, so let's run through a couple um, fun questions. Let's, uh, we're running out of time, but these will merge wrestling and CrossFit really well. So if you were to put any CrossFit athlete through a grueling wrestling practice, who would it be? Maddie Fraser. Yeah, just to see how he could do. Well, no, because like, he's the person, um, him and Bjorkman, uh, Carl Goodman, are the only two people I've never beaten in any competition. And so I'd want to make sure I beat him, but also like physically <laughs> beat him because it's really infuriating that he never loses. So that's what I'm talking that. about. Okay, well, Mike Versa like then. Yeah. Yeah. What wrestlers yeah. would you put th- what, uh, what wrestlers would you put through – uh, a CrossFit workout if you get it. I think it'd be elite or they could be West Pointers or, you know. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll answer that question at three levels. Um, 
for elite world-class guys that do Kyle date. Cause he does this really exotic functional pattern training stuff that I think is garbage. And I want him to be, ex- <laughs> yeah, I want him to be exposed for foolishness. Maybe also Kyle Snyder. Cause he's actually strong um, for West point slash me personally. Uh, I lost this guy, Peyton Walsh. She was Navy starting 57, 65 for my sophomore through first few years. And he beat me like four or five times. Uh, I'd want to put him through so I could finally beat him at something uh, for other West Pointers, let's say Paul Hancock, because I think he was one of the most naturally fit people I've ever met in my whole life. And if he had gotten serious about uh, CrossFit, then he would be the one doing this podcast right now. So those are my answers there. Okay, right on. So uh, if you were going to pick the average high school wrestler to like start CrossFit, what workout would you start them on? Ooh, great question. <sighs> like for me, so, um, you know, my team was Fight Gone Bad. That was the first thing we did. So the thrusters got like a kind of high level of like complexity to it. Uh, and I think you'd lose the ability to, I'd probably make them do a strict Jackie. So Jackie is a workout where you row a thousand meters, you do 50 empty bar thrusters to where you're not going to be super limited by uh, like um, mobility patterns and everything. Cause again, it's an empty bar and then 30 strict pull-ups. Um, so you're testing some gymnastics. There's a little bit of barbell movement and then you're also, um, like getting a cardio piece. Helen will actually also be a probably a really good answer. It's running strict Helen. If you ran, uh, did kettlebell swings, which you can teach to pretty much anybody. And it's kind of like a weight way to move it. And then you have the gymnastics. So you've got within the crossfit spectrum, you've got like monostructural movements, gymnastic movements, weightlifting movements that combines all three into one. And it's over a time domain that wrestlers normally work in. Cause that workout takes you six and a half to 10 minutes. So Helen's my actual final answer. Okay, similar question then for other junior uh, military leaders out there. What's a good workout for this dude? Uh, the United States Army Physical Fitness Test designed to measure your cardio. Yeah, uh, just make it yeah. easy. Cool. Okay, <laughs> check. <laughs> if you could wrestle any CrossFit athlete, who would it be? It may be Matt Frazier, but what's okay. the game plan yeah. if you're if you're wrestling him? Just dominate him. That's an easy question. Let me find. A, I'm play. trying to go through my head of people i don't like um because there's not a whole lot of them <laughs> the greek guy who cheated is out so i can't really say him anymore i'll say bjorkman then because uh again i've never beat him also he uh didn't really care about anybody leaving and was talking some smack about that so we'll say him yeah I think okay, he's here's, a nice a, guy. here's a real sidewinder question if you can make a crossfit athlete who like has no clue about your army career if you could put them in the army for a day, who would you want to live that life? Ooh, it depends on if I want them to – do I want them to succeed or fail? I mean, it doesn't really matter. They can fail, I guess. Okay. Fikowski would succeed because he's probably the most diligent person I've ever seen as far as scheduling and uh, being, like, really meticulous with his time and everything. And uh, for folks who I don't think – Noah is probably one of my best friends on planet Earth. I do not think his personality would mesh well with uh, what – you're asked to do as a United States Army junior officer. So uh, I don't think he'd do as well as Pat would. No, I don't think so either, based on what I've seen. Hardest Army wrestling practice. Okay, this is, I can answer this question on behalf of me and also on behalf of others because one of them is a story I tell all the time. December 13th, 2012, you were in the room. Um, a certain Navy uh, soldier now, or Navy oh, yeah. whatever, Squid, sailor. Squid. Okay, a certain Navy squid. Now he was no, he was not a squid at the time. Uh, we were doing. He was trying to make 141, 
and uh, we were doing like Shark Tank goes, and he had a breakdown in the middle of practice. And uh, I don't know why Hannah, if he wasn't wrestling at that time, but he cried. And he's one of the toughest people I've ever met. Like, probably one of the toughest people that you ever met as well. If you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, so seeing that happen to someone I knew was as tough and physically capable as old JB was um, really significant. And I could point to any number of, I'd probably say my, my plebe year, uh, the, the hill workout, I'm, I'm losing it just thinking about it. Black um, death or the ski slope? Running the ski slope, running up, running up and down the ski slope for the first time because I didn't know what was expected. I never ran two consecutive miles before I got to, to beast. Um, I'd just been doing one because I was very much in the CrossFit thing. I was like, I'll just go short. It'll make me good for long stuff. I had a real bad understanding of uh, getting physically fit. And so we ran like, you run like two miles just to get there. And yep. we, we did it maybe five weeks in. I'd, I'd gotten better at running from Beast, but um, whoever I was partnered with, I ended up working a lot with Orion that day somehow. And uh, he was obese in comparison to me. No, he's, he wasn't obese. He shredded, but he was way bigger than me. And he knew what to expect. So he conserved his energy at the right times and everything. And I'm just an eager guy, like trying to prove myself. So I think I was blown up about, five percent of the way in um and i was <laughs> deceived because we were like halfway up the hill so I was like surely this workout's halfway over but so they get you so that's the peak. <laughs> get you every time peak. get you every time well i think that's all the questions i got you got anything for him bro uh how often do you listen to turnpike troubadours I, I i see a lot of plugs on there and every tuesday that's a fun story too. Um, I know we're out of time. I wish we would talk more stories, but actually here's here. I want to extend this out. Whenever you guys need somebody to co-host so that way we can interview one of you guys, call me up. Cause I love podcasts. Oh, yeah. I love getting the chance. And I think people want to hear your guys' stories too. So that's me throwing my hat in the ring for that. I got some, um, yeah, I got some questions for JT. Yeah. <laughs> then let, let, let me know when I can, can get back on and we can, we can grill JT. But um, yeah, oh, every yeah. Tuesday. Good idea. Coach Ward you're, you're the first in. person who's recommended that. I didn't. I didn't even think about that as an option. See, there, here's the box, and I'm I'm out here, just way outside <laughs> of it, trying to think a little bit differently. Yeah, we listed every Tuesday. Coach Ward came in and dunked on everybody. Uh, we didn't have a coach for a while. It was just me and Coach Young hanging out. I was. I thought I was running the show. I'm a first. I'm team captain. I'm very important. I was listening to something cool or whatever, and he says, "What the." Heck is this? He didn't say that, but it was something like that. He turned it off. We didn't get music for the whole preseason, and he brought it back. And uh, he was like, you know what day it is? It's Turnpike Tuesday. I was like, what is this? And I hated it. And uh, just like the Rafferty Stockholm Syndrome over time, it became my favorite band. And now I listen to it unironically all the time, but especially on Tuesdays. <laughs> Are you the best dancer in CrossFit? Easily. Before we leave, at, at the, and I'll be quick with this, but – I'm not even joking. At Rafferty's wedding, Chandler busted his pants within 15 seconds of the start of the reception. 15 my, seconds, full, full tear when you enter the dance floor. Those are my flexing pants. It's, uh, it's important that people know that I lift in every situation and like to show that my pants are too small. One, it highlights how big my muscles are, how much growth I've had, but also uh, draws more attention to me on the dance floor. And I am just a total narcissist, so part of the plan that was my opportunity wow. for a slight flex too because i was the only other person who broke their pants on the dance floor that night so. you you broke yours way harder than mine too so team, <laughs> team broke pants so you're like a you game athlete b-roll 
Masters division. My talent capsule's almost full, um, but I feel like in the Masters, I may be able to get to that level. Five there we go. Come to Kentucky, train at the Shark Tank. Either one of y'all, let me know. And I'll, uh, especially you, JT, because you were beating me up as a 33 pounder, and I've got some unfinished business for you, too. So oh. both of you guys can come here. And <laughs> Look, call out. Hands. Yeah, put me on TDY, bro. I'll be there in, tomorrow. Let's go. <laughs> I wish I had that power. All right, man. You got anything else, Ken? Um, obviously, I always end all my interviews by saying beat Navy. So that um, I didn't get the chance to smack talk the younger guys as much as I wanted to, especially my class of 2020 dudes. But um, you guys are awesome. And um, from everything you did over the last five years, I appreciate y'all the most. They, they were awesome. That GA year was amazing for me. And uh, how they responded after the, the death of Chris and came closer and also built the culture. So one that we're beating Navy's um, expecting is really significant. I don't think we recognize the significance of what those guys have done, but they're amazing. So shout out to those dudes. The division we lead. Oh, oh, 2020. <laughs> it was great to have you on the podcast, Chandler. Uh, I really yeah. Thanks it. for your time, man. Saturday morning. <laughs> Appreciate you guys having me. As always, be Navy. Much love. Thanks for tuning in to the B Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media: Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And as always, go Army, be Navy.